Good morning. Uh, if you have any prayer requests, the deacons are going to make it up the aisle, so you can go ahead and give them your prayer requests. And as they're collecting your prayer requests, I definitely want to um, share with you guys how thankful I am to be with you guys this morning. Um, you know, I, I need to call Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. and let them know that uh, Mark Dever is instrumental in, in uh, Washington, D.C., but we have a Mark Dever down here, and his name is uh, Jim Law, right? So, Brother Jim Law has been such a great friend to the church, um, not just the church here, but the churches around the area, and I have influenced greatly by his ministry, greatly by his ministry. Um, the ministry that you guys are doing here is, is amazing. It's great. As my brother prayed earlier, to love your pastor, to, to, to give as you give, and ministry is happening all over the world, but also in Gonzales and even on the bayou, right? On the bayou. So uh, I, I get to pastor a church at First Baptist Church of Tipido. I've been there for six years, and, and God is teaching me so much on how to pastor and how to love, and I'm tremendously thankful for that. You are a blessed church by having a pastor like Brother Jim. Uh, he is a man, I've, I've come to love him. He's very sweet and gentle. Uh, a man who loves people. The fact that he's been here for 20, what, 29 years, brother? 29 years, almost 29 years is incredible. It's amazing, praise God for that. So continue to pray for him as he is on sabbatical. Um, again, my name is Kevin Celestine. I don't know if you can detect a, an accent. If not, I promise you, you will. As I keep, talk, as I keep on talking, you will detect my accent. Um, I'm from the, the Caribbean, uh, St. Lucia, born and raised most of my days. Um, and I moved up to the U.S. Uh, at the age of 17. Um, and we, we moved to the U.S. for just a better life, better opportunity. And I tell people this all the time. This is the land of opportunity. You can become wh whoever you want to become in the U.S. And, and, and it is true. Um, but my parents, we, we moved up to the U.S. I was raised Catholic, so I did my confirmation, first communion, all of that stuff. And uh, at the age of 16, as Brother Jim mentioned, I became a Rasta. Rasta is, uh, you know, you have dreadlocks and you, you smoke pot and you, you kind of believe in, in, this, in this kind of sense of spirituality. Uh, I don't want to get too deep into Rastafariism, but it originated in Ethiopia, um, where King Haile Selassie believed that King Solomon um, had a son and, and, and that son moved to Ethiopia and that son uh, was, was Haile Selassie who was the incarnate Christ. Um, it, it is a false gospel. Uh, it is not the truth. Um, so I became a Rasta and I moved to the U.S. And as I was in the U.S., my cousins were all Rastas. We went to Rasta clubs and my mom, my mom was a Christian. So my mom, I'm my mother's only son, and my mom would pray for me every single day, son, come, know Jesus. And I was like, I don't want to know Jesus. And one day my mom looked at me, and she came, I was sitting on my bed, and she came and she sat right next to me. I will never forget this. And my mom said, son, you're my only son, and I love you, and I'm not going to fight with you anymore, but this is my prayer. My prayer is that Jesus will save you, but not only save you but will call you to preach the gospel. And I looked at my mother laughing, smiling, and I said, I will never be a preacher. Never. 
And one of the main reasons I don't want to be a preacher is I I don't want to live my lifestyle behind. And I definitely don't want to be sweating because the preachers that I see are always sweating. And guess what I'm doing? I am sweating for Jesus right now, right? right? So much so I have my sweat rag every time I come up to preach. So so I'm going to be sweating today. So you, you, you need to understand this. But my mother's prayer... God, you, God heard and God saved me. God saved me. What drew me to the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ was the fact that my Father in heaven loved me greatly. And I grew up not having a father in my life. I grew up with my grandparents. My grandfather was an alcoholic. And, and I resented man. Anytime I saw a man, uh, authority in my life, I just resented them. And, and deep down inside, I kind of wanted this fatherly love. And when I heard the gospel of this tender, loving, kindness, steadfast love of God, the chesed of God, that's what drew me to the gospel. It changed my life forever. Then I went to Nickel State University um, where I met Tim LaFleur who discipled me. Uh, Tim LaFleur was legally blind. And Tim LaFleur said to me, look, I will meet up with you for two years every Wednesday. And Tim LaFleur taught me how to memorize scripture. It was there that I met Kayla and Ryan Babin. Uh, we went to school together, college together. I'm thankful for them, thankful that they've been serving here for a long time as well. But the Lord changed my heart forever as I was discipled. It was there I met my wife. We did missions together. God called us together. We have four beautiful children, Silas, who's 13. He's not with us today. He's at our church. We have a disciple now, Liam, who is 11, Ezra, 7. And when we thought we were done, the Lord said, I will send you someone else. (laughs) And we have a beautiful baby girl. Her name is Gabby, six months old. I promise you, when my wife and I found out we were having a baby, we cried for two days. (laughs) But now we are extremely happy because the Lord in his sovereignty knew exactly what we needed. And thank God for that. With that said, I, I want to dive into the word of God by helping you see this encouraging passage of scripture. It's an encouraging passage of scripture. Join me as I pray for us as we dive into the text. God, I need you this morning. I pray that you hide me behind the cross. I pray that you anoint my lips and my mouth and you speak for me and through me. God, I I pray that you take away all my opinions and and God, I pray that we could be centered on the word. Most importantly, Father, most importantly, speak to your people. Move them to make much of your name, to glorify you. Teach us what we do not know. Make us what we are not and give us what we do not have. And God's people says, amen, amen, amen. The passage of scripture we will be looking at this morning, Brother Jim actually read that, which is Matthew, I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. Um, the title of the sermon is Spiritual Immor- Immaturity. Spiritual Immaturity. Think with me, young parents that become parents for the first time as they are seeing their child develop. 
They see certain things about the child. One in particular, they see how the child moves from, from milk and graduate to solid food. They, they see how the child says mama, dada, to now saying certain alphabets, right? Or counting to ten. In other words, parents love the fact that the child is growing. The child is not just staying on milk. The child is not just saying one syllable, but the child is growing. Parents would feel devastated if the child will never progress beyond one syllable word or if the child remain on milk diet until puberty you would be absolutely devastated. Well, the writer of Hebrews here exhorts his readers to become spiritually mature by learning to distinguish between what? Good and evil. Mature Christians move from the elementary teachings of the gospel, which is milk, to the substantial biblical teaching of righteous living, which is solid food. See, a child learns to walk. And as he learns to walk, he falls. And he gets back up. He falls, he hits himself, and he gets back up. And that's how he learns to walk. In the same way, Christians, coming closer, pay close attention to this. Coming closer, and if you're taking notes, write this down. Christians learn to know the difference between good and evil by prayerfully examining the Word of God and putting it into practice in their lives. This right here is the central idea of the author of Hebrews. This is how he's telling them that they can be mature. How can you discern from evil and good? By examining the Word of God, by spending time in the Word of God, but not just knowing the Word and be puffed up with knowledge, no, but what you know, you apply. By applying the Word of God to your lives, in your life. This morning, I want us to observe two points in this sermon. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. One, the symptoms of spiritual immaturity. We see this in verses 11 through 13. And two, the remedy for spiritual immaturity. We want to know the remedy. And I am so thankful for Scripture. Scripture always gives us a reflection of our heart, how it really operates, who we really are. But Scripture also gives us the answer to our sin problem. Say, here here are the symptoms, but also the remedy. And we thank God for it. We thank God for that. So first, let's observe the symptoms of spiritual immorality. Ah, why am I struggling with saying immaturity? (laughs) The symptoms of spiritual immaturity. Notice very carefully in the text, very carefully, see for yourself, as he mentions in verse 11, about this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain. Stop, stop, about this, about what? What are you talking about, the author of Hebrews? 
The author of Hebrews, he has been sharing about the superiority of Jesus Christ, how amazing he is. He is greater than the angels. He is greater than Moses. And then in chapter 4, he tells us that Jesus is greater than the priesthood of Aaron. So as he explains that, he brings to the altar, he brings to the witness stand Melchizedek, and he says, Melchizedek, tell them how great Jesus is. And Melchizedek says that Jesus was in the order of Melchizedek. This is what we must observe. So, so don't stumble by saying Jesus was not a high priest because he's not from the tribe of Levi. We, we have evidence as we can go back in the book of Genesis and we see Melchizedek who was a high priest. Jesus is from the order of Melchizedek. And this is what the author of Hebrews is doing. But then he stops and he says, hold up, you, you are not getting this. This is too deep for you. We must first deal with the sin problem or hearing problem ears problem, sluggish ears, before we can continue with solid food. I don't want to choke you. I don't want to just give you steak right now. Stop. Let's deal with this problem of immaturity. And this is exactly what he does here. Notice the concept that follows in this letter will be understood by growing Christians, not stagnant Christians. This is solid food. The word dull here in the New Testament, this is the only place it's used in the New Testament. This one particular word. The word means sluggish and lethargic is what he really means here. They don't have mature ears, mind, and hearts to grasp the concept that he's about to let them know, which is the priesthood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Literally, the phrase reads, you have become sluggish in ears. Why is that? Because they themselves have this condition, this inability to listen to spiritual truth. They, they have made themselves dull. They've made themselves dull. They were not naturally slow. Come in closer. Get this. They were not naturally slow. They were not intellectually deficient. They were spiritually lazy. They listen with the attentiveness of a slug. Friends, I, I, I get to hear this on a consistent basis as I minister to people. As I minister to people and I, I get to speak to them about the word of God because it's not my opinion and I want them to know how deep the word of God is. And because I'm a preacher just to listen to me, no, Everything that I say, I want you to hold me accountable by reading the Word of God yourself. And there are people who say to me, you know what, man, I, I, I'm not called to be a preacher. I'm not, I'm not called to know the Word of God like you do. Uh, just, Pastor, I, I'm, I'm working. I have a family. I don't have to read the Word. Coming to church on Sunday is enough. Sunday school is enough. 
And I look at them and I plead with them. And I say to them, no, you, you are missing out. The word of God is given to all of us to learn, to grow, to understand. God wants to speak to you as he's speaking to me. Do you get this? You are missing out by not listening and diving deeply in the word of God. You see, when people come to Christ, the initial posture is one of intense listening, right? Do you remember the first time you got saved? The first week, the first month, the first year? My goodness, you were so excited. You wanted to hear everything. You wanted to read everything. But what happened? And Eunice dies down, and so does listening to the word of God. Oh, fall in love with Jesus this morning. Jesus wants to speak to you through his word. Oh, church, come, fall before the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ and be like Mary and not Martha. Because Mary chose this one thing. But it's this one thing. Learning from the Savior. See, those who are trained in Scripture are progressing in the faith and are better to equip and understand Christ's priesthood. Do you get this? As I am spending more time in the Word of God, I, I am becoming more equipped to understand the deep things about God. So, so when people say to me, I don't understand the atoning work of Jesus, it's because you're not spending time in the Word of God. I don't understand everything about salvation, those simple things about salvation. You're not spending time in the Word of God. I don't understand the love of God. You're not spending time in the Word of God. By, by spending time in the Word of God, God then gives us even a greater desire to understand the deep things about God. So don't be lazy. Richard Baxter, in his directions of profitable hearing, the word preached, he gave wisdom, wise advice to Christians. And coming closer and pay close attention to what he said, make it your work with diligence to apply the word as you are hearing it. Cast not all upon the minister, as those that will go no further than they are carried as by force. You have work to do as well as the preacher and should all the time be busy as he. You must open your mouths and digest it for another cannot digest it for you. Therefore, be all the while at work and abhor an idle heart in hearing as well as an idle minister. Be busy and learning from God because God wants to speak to you. As we hear God's word, we must make sure that his word is open, right? Follow the textual 
arguments, look up references, mention, take notes, identify themes, list of subpoints and application. These are all great things that you can do as you're listening to the Word of God. There are several books I want to encourage you, and I'm pretty sure Pastor Jim and also the elders have encouraged you by by following, maybe listening or reading some of these books. How how to Read the Bible for All It's Worth by Gordon Fee and Douglas Moo. It's, It's a great resource for you to have. It's going to teach you how to do historical context and literary context. All these words, are, it might be f- like funny, uh, or it might be like hard words to probably comprehend, but, but they're not. They're simple things for us. You don't have to go to seminary to know these things. Who's the author of the book of Hebrews? Maybe we don't know that, but the book of Matthew. It's Matthew. Who is Matthew writing to? What's going on around that time? What is the purpose of the book? These are some of the things for us that we need to dive deeply in to know Scripture. Please do not be lazy. Don't be lazy, but spend time knowing the Word of God. So, are we sluggish in ears? Are we sluggish? If so, you're drinking milk and not eating solid food. <laughs> Do you see the symptom? Well, he gave two detrimental results of sluggish ears. Coming closer. One is Christians with sluggish ears are always on the side of receiving the word, but not giving the word. Do you get this? They're always on the side of receiving and not giving. And he tells us this in verse 12. Notice very carefully what he mentions in verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principle of the oracles of God. You know why they're this way? Because they always come into church, sitting down, receiving, 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 and never giving. Do you understand the great gift that God has given us, salvation and his word? The way that that gift is multiplied and that gift is activated is by us giving that gift away, by us sharing about the gospel to others and teaching people about the word of God. It's never meant for us to just keep and put on a shelf and say, it's okay. No, this is the gift that we have to keep on giving. And in, in, in Israel... There are two bodies of water that actually explains and illustrates this for us. One in particular is the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is a vibrant body of water. It has rivers flowing into it and it flows into several bodies of water. But then there is the Sea, the Dead Sea. It's called the Dead Sea for a reason. Because it's always receiving and it's never given. It has many bodies of water flowing into it, but it never flows into anything else. There are no living organisms in the Dead Sea altogether. Everything is dead. It is very salty. I think many times for Christians, we tend to be like the Dead Sea. Why? Because we are always receiving and we're never given. But rather, we should be like the Sea of Galilee. 
We are receiving. Thank you, pastor, for pouring into me. Thank you, Sunday school teacher, for pouring into me. But I'm just not going home and putting it on the shelf. No, I want to give it to others. I want to teach others. I want to call others to repent. The Christians with sluggish airs, this is what they do. They come to church, they sit down, and they say, give me, give me, give me, give me, but they never give. You see symptom number one? It's a serious problem. Come in closer, come in closer. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Before we can handle the upper-level courses, we must master the entry-level classes of the Christian faith. We must grasp basic truth at basic level before we can move forward. This is exactly what he's saying here. They're still on milk. They haven't mastered that yet. And therefore, if they get solid food, they will choke. What are the basic principles? Faith alone. Grace alone. Salvation through Jesus alone. These are the basic principles that we have here. Basic principles. Again, the emphasis of the language warns against regression, right? For it literally reads, coming closer, you have become having need of milk and not solid food. Do you get it? Do you see the regression here? At some point, they were eating solid food. And then they started regressing. And they said to themselves, you know what? I like milk, so I'll stay on milk. And here, the scripture tells us something very important here. It tells us something very important here. What is it? The simple truth is this. If we are not moving forward, we are falling back. If we are not climbing, we are falling. In the Christian life, There's no sense of being stagnant. If you're stagnant in your Christian life, you are falling back. If you're diving in the things of God, you're moving forward. And here he has given us a great picture of this. That we as Christians must constantly move forward. Do not be stagnant in your spirituality, in your relationship with Jesus. Don't be comfortable with being stagnant. Well, I'm going to make it to heaven. I firmly believe I'm saved, but you know what, God? I'm just tired. I've been doing this for 40, 50 years. You understand, God? I'm retiring from my Christian faith. I'm not doing anything bad. I'm still a morally cleansed person. But the Bible, reading the Bible, studying the Bible, it's too much for me right now. I'd rather go hunting. I'd rather go fishing. I'd rather go shopping. That's being stagnant. And the more stagnant you become, you're falling back and back and back. Form this sense of dissatisfaction in your spiritual condition. 
do not be okay with it. But cry out to the Lord to remove you from this. Maybe there are some of you in this room right now. You are stagnant. Reading the Bible for you is too much. The only time you crack open your Bibles is when you come to Sunday school or you come to service. And throughout the week you say, I have no time for this. I love Jesus and I believe you do love Jesus. There's not a great desire for the things of God. And the longer you stay in that state, the worse it will be for you. So so what do we do here? Secondly, he tells us this. Christian with sluggish ears are unskilled in the word of righteousness. Do you see it in your own Bibles? See for yourself in verse 13. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. He's unskilled in the word of righteousness. This is the cause of spiritual immaturity. Dull hearing, unskilled in the word of righteousness. What do you, what do you mean here, author? Unskilled in the word of righteousness. Righteousness here can mean doctrinal and as well as practical. So some commentators look at this to mean doctrinal. In other words, they will say this is the imputed righteousness of Christ. That it's not your righteousness. And as the the author of uh, Isaiah mentioned to us, that our righteousness is as filthy rags, right? So, So we need a... Alien righteousness, a righteousness that belongs to someone else, must be God. So when God looks down upon us, if we are truly saved, he sees the righteousness of Jesus that's been imputed upon us. This is the doctrinal righteousness. But some believe that what the author is talking about here is practical righteousness, righteousness based on your conduct. But if we believe the Bible, what the Bible truly says, practical righteousness finds its way in doctrinal righteousness. In other words, I cannot be practically righteous without the righteousness of Jesus. So this is the imputed righteousness of Christ activated in my life and is causing me to live differently. So so which is it? Is it doctrinal and practical? It is both. As we look at this here, and he says that you are unskilled in the teachings of righteousness. Unskilled in what? In understanding the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. Maybe there are some of you walking around and thinking to yourself, oh man, I am so good that Jesus needs to make more people like me. No. Thank God he didn't do that. A Christian who fully understands and understands the doctrinal righteousness, imputed righteousness of Christ, he says, oh, what a wretched man I am who saved me from this body of sin. Thanks be to Christ Jesus. He is humble when he sees the righteousness of Christ. He is thankful for the work of Jesus on his behalf. 
And he never brags on his own righteousness because it's not his. It's an alien righteousness. So when people look at him and say, man, you are such a righteous person, he says, thank be to God. It's not me, but Christ working in me and through me for his glory. This is exactly what we're talking about. Now, the apostle Paul said the same thing. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, he says, And being found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. That's imputed righteousness here. So how is that transaction fair? That God will look upon us. God will remove our sins. Place it on the back of Jesus Christ. Then take Jesus' righteousness and place it in our lives. And he did all of that while we were yet enemies to Christ. How is that fair? It's not. But I'll tell you what it is. It's grace. And it's mercy. And because of that, we are thankful for the work of Jesus Christ. Look with me, the second point. We see the symptoms. What are the symptoms? We see the symptoms here. And now we will look at the remedy for spiritual immaturity. We see it in verse 14. See in your own Bibles. Look down and read for yourself. Verse 14. He says this. But solid food is for mature, for the mature, for those who have the powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. There is nothing wrong. Coming closer. There is nothing wrong to give an infant milk. We should. I have a six-month baby, and she wants milk. And we give Gabby milk. If we don't give Gabby milk, Gabby cries. So we give Gabby milk, and we do it lovingly, willfully. Why? Because milk is important for Gabby. It's natural for an infant to live on a diet of milk. In fact, despite all our scientific and technological advancement, we understand this. There is nothing better for a baby than a mother's milk. But there is something seriously wrong if that child turns 16, 17 and still on mama's milk. We will have a major problem with that. And we should. Why? At that age, you should be eating solid food in the same way for a Christian. This is the analogy that the author of Hebrews has given us, right? We, we laugh at this. We would laugh at a grown man, a grown woman, drinking milk and acting like a baby. Seriously, all of us would laugh, and we should. We would say something is wrong with that grown man. But are you laughing at Christians who have been Christians for a long time, still drinking milk instead of food, solid food? You see, this is what the author is doing. It's easy for us to point fingers at this one and say, man, this is ridiculous, but what about you? Are you drinking milk when you should be on solid food? 
It's grotesque. It's shameful. Turn away from that. So what is the remedy here? The remedy is simple. The remedy for spiritual immaturity (laughs) is this. It is spiritual discernment. Spiritual discernment. We must discern what God has called for us to do. We must discern from good and evil. Discernment is critical to our lives. It often takes the shape in ways that are not overtly intellectual. Think about it. In our everyday lives, we use discernment. Many things that we do, we use discernment. How do you know not to put your hand on a hot burner? Maybe from experience or by watching someone else or by just knowing this is hot. How do you know not to cross the road when vehicles are passing? Intuition says don't do it or you will get hit. You don't have to be the most intelligent person to know this. In the same way for us as Christians, we need spiritual discernment. And the way that we get spiritual discernment is through the word of God. By spending time in the word of God, knowing the will of God. I love what it mentions in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. It says, by the mercies of God, I beseech you to present yourself as holy sacrifices to God, which is a reasonable act of worship. And do not be conformed to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will know what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. We're not called to be conformed to the patterns of the world. How how do we know how to do this? Through the word of God. The word of God tells us what is evil, what is bad. It tells us to turn away from certain things. The word of God renews our mind. This is what the author Paul mentions in Philippians chapter 4. Whatever is true, whatever is noble. Think upon these things and the God of peace will be with you. Oh, friends, please get this. God's word is so good for our souls. It helps tremendously. Discernment is very important. Think with me very carefully. If you have a surgeon who is in surgery and he's operating on the heart, a cardiologist. If the cardiologist, every single time he's operating and he forgets something, he goes to his book, 10 minutes, come back. 10 minutes, come back. Over and over and over and over again, you who are seeing this happening to your loved ones will be like, hold up. I don't want this guy operating on my loved one. Something is wrong. But rather, you would want a cardiologist over years of experience who uses intuition to be able to fix a problem. His experience, his intuition that he notices something and he works and he fixes it. In the, in the same way for us as Christians, friends, we need to have that kind of intuition. But that intuition comes from the word of God. Notice what he mentions there. Have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. 
This word train is used in the New Testament as a imagery for athletics, and it basically gives us an idea of training through much practice. We practice. We spend time, and we spend time, and we spend time in the Word of God. Coming closer, coming closer. Please come in closer and write this down. Our training ground in life and our training aid is, I'm sorry, let me reread this. Our training ground is life. And our training aid is the Word of God. To have spiritual discernment, we must be people of the Word. What is our training ground? It is life. This is why when God saved us, He didn't just take us to heaven. We are here to be sanctified. And as we are growing in this relationship with God, it it, it gives us experiences. But how do we live a victorious life on this earth? Through the Word of God, through the work of Christ. Discernment simply means that we find ourselves in familiar territory when we open the word of God. Did you get what I say? What I said? Discernment simply means that we find ourselves in familiar territory when we open the word of God. Let me say it another way. Discernment means the Bible does not disorient us. We find our place at home when we open the Bible. Not confused, but at home. So friends, can I ask you a series of questions? Can you recognize temptation before it traps you? That's discernment. Can you recognize temptation before it traps you? Can you tell the difference between a correct use of scripture and a mistaken one? We love listening to different preachers But I know this about Brother Jim, and I know this about the elders in this church. They are constantly trying to guard you, protect you from wolves out there. So if you listen to scripture used by your co-workers, by your family members, are you able to see if it's used in context or out of context? If someone comes to you and they say, money is the root of all kinds of evil, are you able to say, well, oh, something is wrong here. What is wrong? Help me out, audience participation. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, right? You know your Bibles. Praise God. Praise God you know your Bibles. This is a simple one, right? But we need to know the context of Scripture, How much time do you spend reading the Word of God? Let me ask it this way. Do you spend a greater amount of time watching TV or reading newspaper than the Word of God? (laughs) Friends, let us turn to the Word of God this morning. Let us have a greater passion for the things of God this morning. Let us have discernment. And let me help you understand the difference between one who is mature and one who is immature. As we read the text, see for yourself, one who is mature developed a deep 
understanding of Scripture and God. He loves God, so he dives deeply in the Word of God. When the pastor comes up to preach, he says, you better bring it on, pastor. I'm ready. I've stood it up. I know the Word of God. Bring it on. The immature struggles with the basics of Christianity. The simple thing the pastor would say up there, oh, it's too deep. I don't, tell me how to just love people. That's all I want to know. That's it. Loving people is great, but you need to know more. Know how to love God and love his word. The mature teach others. The immature just like to be taught. He or she is never ready to teach others. Never. He or she is absolutely satisfied just sitting down and taken but never given. The mature six unity. The immature six disunity. See for yourself. What do you do here in the church? Are you always promoting unity? Brotherly love, patience, and kindness with one another. How do you know how to do that? Because the Bible talks about it on a consistent basis. But if you're causing disunity, I can tell you that you're not spending time in the Word of God. You're not spending time understanding the Word of God. You're not spending time applying the Word of God. Because the Word of God speaks often about unity. The mature evaluates his life. The immature criticizes everything. The mature studies and observes scripture carefully. The immature accepts opinions and half-hearted efforts. The mature evaluates feelings and experience in light of God's word. I don't feel loved today. The pastor didn't tell me hi today. The Sunday school teacher didn't say hi to me today. They must hate me. But the mature says, you know what? No, they don't. It's just my emotions. It's my feeling. Let me go home. Let me worship God even more. And it's going to be okay. The immature takes it and runs with it. And he has all different kinds of scenario. He leaves the church because the pastor didn't say hi to him. That's immaturity. That's immaturity. The immature evaluate experience according to feelings, not according to the Word of God. So my prayer for you this morning is that you will be mature. This is the goal of every elder and pastor in the church to present people mature to Christ. This is why Brother Jim and the elders are preaching the word faithfully every time. Because why? You will grow in maturity. You need the word of God. Not entertainment, but the word of God. And I'm thankful behind this pulpit, you are getting the word of God. So, with that, what do you do with it? You take it. You apply it. You teach it. You praise God for it. You live it out. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful for your word. If there are any in this room struggling with immaturity, that you would be able to work on their hearts to lead them, to guide them. 
the symptom of spiritual immaturity, Father, is dull hearing, laziness, a sense of complacency and stagnant. Because as we've learned in the book of Hebrews, if we stay in this stagnant state, we will fall back even further and further and further. As the author of Hebrews says, do not shrink back. So God, speak to your people. Thank you for your people. Thank you for the elders and Sunday school teachers and deacons and leaders. And and thank you, God, for this church. Be with them. Encourage their hearts to even pursue you even deeper, Father. You love us and we love you. In your mighty and precious name, amen.